Does the Bible tell Christians how they should think about conspiracy theories? We discuss this and more with special guest Dr. Drew Johnson on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for people who love to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, gullible skeptic, and with me as always is my thanklessly thoughtful co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and conspiratorial about conspiracy theories. Yeah. Ooh, nice. Yeah. yeah. I'm, a, I'm a conspiracy theory skeptic. That's what <laughs> that's what I am. There we go. Oh, that's I'm liking that. And with us today is a very special guest. He is an author, academic, podcast host, and Presbyterian minister. He is a visiting professor of biblical studies at Hope College in Holland, Michigan. The director of the Center of the Hebra- uh, for, or for Hebraic Thought, excuse me, associate director for the Jewish Philosophy Theological Project at Hearst Institute in Israel, and co-host of the OnScript podcast. He has a PhD in theology from the University of St. Andrews, an MA in philosophy from the University of Missouri, and Masters of Divinity in Theology from the Covenant Theological Seminary. He is the author of multiple books, including Human Rights, Scriptural no, Scriptures Knowing, Biblical Knowing, Biblical Philosophy, and What Hath Darwin in Scripture, as well as contributing to the recent book on Christianity and Conspiracy Theories, QAnon Chaos of the Cross. He is the daring, the dazzling, the delightful Dr. Drew Johnson. Dr. Johnson, welcome back to the show. Well, thanks for having me back. I didn't think I was going to get a second run after that last round. <laughs> really I thought I, thought I, I uh, ticked you guys off too we much. We just so. hated it so much. Yeah. But it the took us a couple are... years to get over it. But yeah. yes, it <laughs> did, and we're very forgiving, and we're very magnanimous, so welcome back. <laughs> exactly. We felt like you really needed our podcast to, 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 in order to get notoriety. Yes. Oh, brother. Uh, well, today we're very excited because we are discussing a totally not contentious topic at all, what the Bible has to say about conspiracy theories. But first, Nathan, if people enjoy our discussion and want to engage with more of our content and meet fellow overthinkers like themselves, where can they go? They can go to theoverthinkersjournal.com. They can find out more about their hosts and send, a, send us all of their love and hate mail. We do enjoy both. They can also go to our online group, The Overthinkers. It's a private group on Facebook where we have 15,000 people like yourself getting into great discussions about all the things we talk about here and posting tons of memes. It's mostly memes, so just be ready. <laughs> but they're good intellectual memes, as yes. Joseph put um, You can also, if you do enjoy the podcast, uh, please leave us a review and share with a friend. It really does help us so very much. Awesome. All right. Ready to get started, everyone? Let's do it. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Christian communities today, I would think it's safe to say, are divided over the issue of conspiracy theories. Merriam-Webster defines a conspiracy theory as a theory that explains an event or a set of circumstances as the result of a secret plot by usually powerful conspirators, or as we defined the overthinkers last time we talked about this, such a theory that does not meet the normal conventional criteria for um, at being backed up by evidence. With the internet giving everyone a wealth of information and interconnectivity at their fingertips and trusting in traditional institutions at an all-time low, it's easier than ever for conspiracy theories about the world to disseminate widely, whether it's funny ones like the belief that the moon landing was fake, or more dangerous ones that the Jews are running the world. But as the popularity of conspiracy theories are growing, so are the ways that they are dividing Christian communities. According to Business Insider and the LA Times, churches across America are splitting over whether or not the pastors agree with the congregants on whether or not the 2020 election was stolen or whether specific politicians or Satanists running a global sex trafficking ring. 
So there's concern about the rise of conspiracy theories in their churches on the left or the right. The divide is a sign that a large number of Christians are being led astray by false teachers who are teaching to believe and potentially do harmful things, such as, in one more dramatic instances, participate in insurrection attacks. For those in support of conspiracy theories, they argue that the supposed conspiracy theorists have seemed to be right more often than mainstream institutions are supposed to listen to, often pointing to many times that mainstream institutions have either lied or led people astray, and things that were labeled conspiracy theories have turned out to be true. No, Dr. Drew Johnson. You've come out very strongly against conspiracy theory thinking in Christian communities. But as a biblical scholar, you've come at it from a very interesting angle, which is why I wanted to have you on, where you talk about how the Bible addresses conspiracy theory style thinking in its own day and warns against it. Would you lay out what the elements of conspiracy theory style thinking the Bible addresses and why and why additionally has that kind of thinking taken such a hold in modern society and the church itself? Yeah, um, I guess I want to correct that because I probably do come across as coming out hard against them. I think in that bigger article I wrote for the chapter, I um, I got to include stuff that I couldn't put in a CT article because it was okay. short. So, um, spoilers, I read the article and not no, the actual no, no. thing that's, in the book. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, and I don't remember which was which at this point. So, spoiler, I can't remember what I said. But, um, <laughs> I, you know, if I could start out on the opposite foot and say, uh, A, some conspiracies are clearly, they have been shown to be true. Uh, I'm sure there are some conspiracies that people believe right now that actually are true. We just don't have any way of knowing whether they are true or not. And then B, I would like to say the biblical authors is, you know, you get it in the, the Torah, the first five books of, you know, the law, they call it, but you get it really heavily in the prophets actually do want you to foster a pretty large conspiratorial imagination there. They seem to be pretty convinced that if there are powerful people uh, and there are people who are vulnerable, that the powerful will exploit the vulnerable and you should ever have your eye scanning the horizon for that setup. Powerful people exploiting the vulnerable yeah. and they are chastising them. So they are actually really concerned. You know, when you think about the, some of the QAnon, and I'm very ignorant on the details of QAnon and I, you know, I've intentionally kept my mind away from it because I thought it might drive me a little crazy, but. Um, <laughs> it drives a lot of people a little crazy. Yeah. <laughs> But, but the, you know, that kind of like hair for the vulnerable, that children are being sex trafficked, right? Right. Um, and that people are exploiting them in that way. I mean, that, that's, that's not a conspiracy. That's actually happening. Oh, now, absolutely. Yeah. Who is doing it and, and whether they have a grand conspiracy to do that or not, or a grand plot as that definition you said, has, uh, or not, and whether they're making, you know, oodles of money off it or not, um, that's, you know, that's a, a slightly separate issue. Um, but I want to, so I want to kind of commend people when they say like, I'm really worried about sex trafficking and I think there might be these giant sex cra I want to say, yes, amen. You're right on board with the Torah, the prophets, Jesus, uh, you know, that there is a care for the vulnerable that we're really concerned about. I think the issue becomes, you know, the, the dangers of conspiracy thinking of, um, well, a one is you just have a poor imagination. And so you fill in. Hey. Um, a lot of complexities with just really childish information. Hey. And I'm not, I don't mean that pejoratively. I mean, just, you know, like sometimes uh, I was on a podcast with some of the co-authors from that book. And, you know, we're talking about example, like, what do we do when we're actually talking to somebody? Well, at first I, I quit doing this, but I kind of say like, okay, play it out for me. Okay. Hey. So, you know, Bill Clinton's involved. Like, 
how much time was he devoting each day? How did he get the secret service to, you know, um, this actually, I got into this very early in the game. I'm so ahead of this curve. Uh, Yeah. Back in the 1990s, the late nineties. Well, during the 1990s for about a five year period of my seven years in the military, I deployed on what they call covert operations and counter narcotics down South America. Um, and which was great. No, it was actually, I did 10 deployments. They were not good. But one of the things I learned is how the government works in these small, oh. interruptive, interfering, insur- insurrectionist movements. Uh, because the FBI, the DEA, the CIA, the U.S. Customs Service, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, the Army, Special Forces, everyone was down there and had a few soldiers or the, uh, a few uh, agents or operators. Uh, and I think in total, like 500 people in South America were working on this together, maybe a thousand max in its heyday. Um, and so when I, I went to seminary and, and I had these guys that I really respected and I thought were just really smart. They are, they're very smart, pastorally minded. But then we got on conspiracy theories and all of a sudden I realized like they weren't just entertaining them. They kind of seemed to believe them. And uh, especially the ones on these secret government operations. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I've actually been involved in a few uh, secret government operations in foreign countries. And what you like, everything that you are supplying in your imagination, how this is going to work is in no way connected to reality to how things work. Now, granted, you know, there's a Navy SEAL team that flew across the world to kill Osama bin Laden. <laughs> uh, it was a tightly held secret by just a few, and that, that actually worked. Um, and, you know, you can imagine a conspiracy. Osama bin Laden just never shows up again and somebody has a conspiracy that a Navy SEAL team went in there and killed him. And it would turn out it was true, right? Like, I would say that's the half of a half of a half of a half of a percent of uh, the operations that work that way. Uh, Your experience is that the level of, um, I don't want to say like a pejorative word, like competence, but like coordination that is. Yeah, it's not competent. There are lots of competent people, but that cross-agency coordination thing. That would be required um, to do a conspiracy. The the secrecy of people doing something that directly violated the the code of justice, the UCMJ, you know, where it says you don't actually have to follow any unlawful orders. The number of unlawful orders that the number of people would have to all follow and, you know, um, swear into through some allegiance some kind of like gi joe like allegiance to the cobra uh the cobra <laughs> commander or something at, at some point it really breaks like any sense of real experience i've had just in organizations and certainly in those kind of operations in south america i'm not saying they're impo- impossible they're just so highly improbable and what it really tells when people start filling in the voids like well i don't know they figured out some way to do it 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 just tells me like, oh, you don't really understand how organizations actually work, what it takes You'll to get a hundred people from disparate places to get focused on one task and to execute it perfectly. Um, and like that to keep actually it a secret forever. Yeah. Yeah. And to keep it a secret forever and until their death. And again, I, you know, like I, I do believe there are people who know government secrets that would probably be pretty saucy if we all knew them. And they did keep it until their death. I just think those are the extreme. I, my guess is those would be the extreme uh, outliers. And that most Saucy of what happens. Experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, just, it's just not my experience with how, mm. and how, the, how any organization works, much less the government, which tends to be a very inefficient, even more inefficient uh, than like compared to a startup or something like that. Mm. So, yes, yeah, so you have the um, 
you know, the, the first thing, which is that the Bible actually does, you know, kind of bring us both, you know, kind of pro conspiracy in some ways thinking of like, okay, powerful people are always going to abuse that power. We should be, you know, skeptical of those people and looking out to protect the vulnerable, you know, right. skeptical, both like, you know, that they probably don't always have our best interests at heart and skeptical of their truth claims. Cause they're always going to say things that are going to help them keep their power. But right. also where, where some of your skepticism comes in is of course, in your experience of these supposed organizations that are supposedly oftentimes doing these conspiracies, that it doesn't quite, it, that the level of, of cover up that would be necessary is not as plausible. In your article, you've also talked about sort of some of the uh, biblical principles of kind of testing truth claims and some yeah. of those that you felt like sometimes conspiracy theories don't hold up under. Can you talk a little bit about that before you move on? Yeah, and for me, you know, for Christians who who think the biblical authors and the scriptures have some kind of authority on how we act and how and including how we think about the world, this is this is a big deal for me because. Mm-hmm. It's not like scripture doesn't talk about conspiracy. It's not like Jesus didn't actually mention what to do when you're faced with conspiracies about future events or yeah. conspiracies that kind of pull back the curtain on how the world. So, so like for me, I couldn't believe that Christians were just ignoring. It's like someone saying like, man, I wish the Bible said something on how to treat the poor or, you know, I wish the Bible <laughs> said something about how I how I should regard someone, you know, in a public space as a brother or sister. I mean, it, like it talks about incessantly. And um, I think one of the and, and again, I've written a few books on this. So this is like throw, flow, sorry, flowing through my my veins the way I think about this. But I think a lot of it has been shaped by how the biblical authors think about knowledge, who has it, who knows what, how do they know it, how do they get access to it? Uh, which is a big, a big issue in scripture. Um, and so when I looked at it, it is like I started with Jesus, who just says straight up, uh, hey, in, in the days to come, you're going to hear what we would call conspiracies, plots, people saying, I know, I figured it mm-hmm. out. Everybody else, all the sheeple are staring off in the wrong direction, but I have figured out what's happening. I understand how the powers and principles work. Uh, I even understand the divine political structure. I know when J- Jesus is coming, right? Which the hilarious thing about this for me is. I've now, you know, I'm 48, almost 49 years old, and I've survived three public pronouncements about the the return of Jesus, which churches <laughs> took seriously, yeah. which like people stocked up supplies for, right? Yeah. Um, even though he flat out said no, and he said when people say that they know these things, he actually pulls in Ecclesiastes. This is exactly what Ecclesiastes says. When they say they know, don't listen to them. Um, I, and yeah, you know, he later says, I don't even know the day or the hour that I'm going to return. Um, and what's interesting to me in that response is he does give some signals, like things are going to be really bad. Uh, but, and here's some signals of that, what I'm saying is true. And anybody who lived up to 160 AD would have seen all of those signals of the tribulation and the horror, the horrors of what he was talking about, the wars and the rumors of wars and exile from Jerusalem, uh, in the second century of every Jew, uh, mass slaughter. So they would have, they would have seen all those signals. Um, but they wouldn't have seen the one signal that he says, like, look, uh, this isn't going to take guesswork. It's going to be like lightning that goes across the entire sky. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to notice uh, when this happens. Um, so going back to his original uh, answer to them, it's it's not like, look, here's the code. It's three to the right, 17 yeah. to the left. You know, instead, he says, don't listen to them. Um, oh, yeah. And that move 
is, uh, I think I would say what's described in the gospels in that sense is in some sense prescriptive for us. Uh, What happens when we're faced with something where we just can't know, we can't verify. Um, I mean, what's really sad is when a lot of us, including myself, I mean, we've, we've all fallen into this at some, you know, us without sin, we can throw the first stone. Um, and you know where that passage is not in John. Um, but (laughs) I'm, I'm quoting a part of John that's not actually in the Bible, but uh, it's inserted (laughs) five centuries later. But, um, but you know, there is a disposition we should have that, and I'm pulling from a cross scripture that says something like, you know, I don't really know how all this stuff connects together. So I'm not going to lunge forward and project whatever comes to my mind or whatever I heard from so-and-so because they've got it all figured out. Um, I think it doesn't help too, that some of my most conspiratorial friends have chaotic lives as well. So it's not mm. like, I'm like, mm. you never figured out a lot of things, right? And uh, and my, I, I, I'm not hiding any information. I say these same things directly. Exactly. To yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the ones who are like die hard, like you're just sheeple drinking the Kool-Aid. I, you know, I know what's going, you need to get on board. I, you know, I'm looking at them going like, um, if we're just talking about discipling, uh, you know, cognitively under somebody, they're not necessarily, I would, somebody I would recommend. Um, and so that, that disposition of saying i don't know and so i could just kind of remain agnostic and say like yeah maybe something like that is going on but i just don't know how i would ever know that like the lizard well okay lizard people thing i I feel like i have good indications oh well that's true though yeah well (laughs) (laughs) i mean you do have to parse these out my reasons for not believing the lizard people thing are different than my reasons for not believing the pizza gate uh child sex ring right um yeah the, the the editor of the book, Mike Austin, he's a philosopher, and, and he he likes to kind of pull back and just say like, what do we do with the publicly available information that everybody can well, look at? We can we can like let's just focus on that, and then we can argue about how we interpret that publicly available information. Um, but you know, let's just stick to something that we can all point to and go, that's that's collected data, and we can argue about how it's collected or whether it's collected well. But those are the kind of arguments that are worth having. Um, yeah the kind of pull back the curtain, look at how this universe runs, and then, uh, you know, kind of claim that your mind has been open in some way that everybody else, it's, uh, it's in technical terms, you just call that, uh, epistemic hubris that, um, you just think you understand things that nobody else understands. When I run into that in my, in my own self, in my own heart, I can quickly place that right next to my insecurities. Um, or my deep desire to have power in some situation where I feel powerless. Uh, that's interesting. Now, I'm not going to project that onto everybody who's doing, who does that. I know that's how I feel. Uh, and I can see it sometimes. Well, let's say my closest, my family, my kids, um, you know, sometimes when we feel powerless, we want to take power. I mean, I noticed that when I was a pastor with older people, you were like, why does Franny care so much about right. where the coffee uh, is placed on the bar or whatever or on the countertop. Uh, and then so my one of my senior pastors said, you know, sometimes when people lose a lot of control in their life, they just like to have control of something, you know? Yeah. Um, and I so I think some of, you don't want to ignore those psychological power dynamics uh, in, our, in our own hearts and minds. Um, and then, you know, I do want to take people seriously. Like when the, this all started, yeah. that article started when a guy at my church was like, 
uh, I believe in a flat earth because the biblical authors believed in a flat earth. And I was like, well, dang, that's a pretty good reason, actually. Because the biblical (laughs) authors did kind of have something like a flat earth in mind. Um, Probably not the one he's thinking of, but but something like that seemed to be their their projection, which is a completely rational view of the universe. There's nothing irrational or unscientific about that, given what they knew. Um, That was completely... and so we're really arguing about what do we actually know uh, nowadays. Um, and I and, and I look for the, either that, that epistemic humility where you just say, like, you know what? We can't know. So does it matter, you know, does it matter if the Earth is flat or not for me? Probably not. I mean, I used to work on long-range radars in the military where we had to bend the radar beam out of it, 250 miles because the Earth curved so much. Wait, 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 wait. The yeah. Earth isn't flat. You're telling me you have actual proof. I'm I'm not making any claims. I'm just saying at <laughs> 250 miles over the horizon, you have to bend the radar beam to make it like stick to the Earth. Uh, do with that information what you will. You didn't hear it from me. That's uh, what they is, want you to think. This is great. Yeah, exactly. I really like your approach to this. I I think it's non antagonistic. It's non even condescending because I see these kind of two things going on. There's the people who are like. There's tons of conspiracies, right? And everything's a conspiracy. And if you don't believe it, you're sheeple, like you mentioned. And then there's the, the I'd say, the the counter reaction, which is um, if you don't believe in, con- uh, if you believe in conspiracies, you're just an absolute idiot. And so I appreciate right. your um, willingness to take a step back and actually um, look and give grace to the people who find themselves on all different sides of this. I, I really like your usage of uh, uh, the concept of being agnostic when it comes to conspiracies. Uh, There is something kind of intrinsically human in trying to put pieces together and trying to understand. And you also mentioned that a big part of the the draw to conspiracies is that that reach for control. And typically uh, in psychology, when you are, you know, sitting across from your your therapist, they they talk to you personally about when you're someone who is reaching for control in your life very often it comes out of a place of fear. And I think that we can all agree that in the past, I'd say a few years, but also just a decade, maybe just since um, since 1999, I'm just thinking back to Y2K and I remember (laughs) just the fear I had as a kid when I'd hear these people on TV, the world's going to end tomorrow. I remember, I I can't remember how I would would have been uh, 10. And I remember just like my mind being blown with the world's going to end tomorrow. And it's like, it was so Fear inducing. And I and I think a lot of us have a lot of fear. And, and you could say the news plays off this, of course. Obviously, there's a lot of um reasons as to why we feel fear. But regardless, I think a lot of people are feeling fear right now. So there is some grace to give into how people are trying to conceptualize and understand the fear they have. And so naturally, I think people are gonna try to put those pieces together to find control, to feel better uh about their lives. And and Joseph and I talked about this in a previous episode, which I encourage you to go listen to. <laughs> which was basically why do people believe in conspiracy theories? And, um, okay. but we didn't get to, should you, should it, you know, what's, <laughs> what's the ethics here? Is this a, a worthy place to spend your time? Is this something you ought to? And that, that's why I'm so glad we have you on today. Kind of give a quote, biblical perspective on, especially to the Christians out there are, is this something that um, God wants you to spend your time on? And I think that's something we kind of have to ask ourselves when you see so many conspiracy theories popping up. And even if we understand why they're there, is it important? And and I do appreciate what you say, that there is kind of an Old Testament precedent, um, and maybe it's kind of uh, a whole Bible long, that, no, we do need to be watching out for the oppressed. We do need to be watching <laughs> and making sure that people aren't being taken advantage of. 
um, or, uh, or, or hurt, um, from people who are in power. And, um, and, you know, like you also said, the probability is there probably is conspiracies that are true, that, that there might be things that are true, but I guess where I'm of two minds is one, I agree with you. There are probably things we don't know right now. And conspiracy theories have turned out to be true. I mean, MK Ultra is a classic example um, of things that people talked about forever. And then lo and behold, hey, there was, I don't know what that is. Uh, I barely know what it is, but it's it's post World War II. There was a, a program in which they were doing experiments on soldiers and um, people talked about it for years. And, you know, oh, okay. I knew people who talked about their grandfathers who was experimented on, but he didn't really remember things. And there were they were kind of psychological mind experiments with drugs and mm. um, okay. jerk things. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And okay. then it all came out that yeah, they actually were up to some crazy stuff. And so um, there are, probably are things that's going on, um, but I, I think the problem is um, that can arise is for me. I feel like when I look at the world, I see a lot of people spending a lot of time with conspiracy theories when uh, kind of these implicit things that we can't see going on, when there's a lot of explicit things that we can spend our time and energy on that are right um, in front of us. You know, we we will okay. look over the homeless, the poor, the needy um, to go and try to take care of a conspiratorial story um, because for, for whatever reason, and we can talk about this in the why are we conspiracy theorists, um, we, we want to engage with that matter. It gives us more control or it feels more importance, whatever it might be. But I think there's enough things in the world that do need our attention and that are explicit and are right in front of us that we can start with. And maybe we'll get to the conspiracy theories, but there's they're lower down on the list of things that need to be paid attention to than the person right in front of you who needs to eat, who needs food, who needs protection, whatever that might be. So that's one place I encourage people to start and you can actually see practical results. Now, that's not to say we shouldn't weed out lies. We shouldn't weed out things that are going on. But I also think there's, you know, as Joseph pointed in his opening um you know, the, the world is, uh, b by the world, I mean, society has uh, lost a lot of trust in, in media and uh, mainstream media. And, and that's not without necessarily some good reason. I think that a lot of people are doubting when they see this tribalistic behavior on both sides, on every side. Um, they, they're doubting whether or not they can trust what they used to be able to kind of objectively go to for their news. And so that leaves them in a void of a, where do I get um, news? And they, and they feel that something is wrong, but I'd also, what I've kind of come to myself, because I lean towards uh, conspiratizing everything. I don't, I don't know if that's a word, but I just made it a word. But that that is my natural personality's bent, is I want to conspiratize everything. There's something going on that I'm not, I'm not seeing. Um, but what I've had to learn uh, very roughly through my life, uh, now in my 30s, I'm hopefully getting it down a little bit, is just because something else is wrong out there doesn't make my theory correct. So oftentimes um, there might be something wrong. You might have been really um, right in identifying that something's off, that they're not being told yep. the truth, that the, the whole truth isn't being told. But that doesn't mean that your fills into those spaces are the right ones. Very often, if you fill in those spaces, it can lead to disastrous and even destructive results. Maybe you um, end up hurting the wrong person or accusing the wrong person or maybe whatever it might be. There's disastrous things that can happen when you um, fill in gaps um, with, and even though there are gaps, I agree with you, but when you fill them with the wrong things, bad things can happen. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something to be wary of before we full sail, just jump into conspiracy theories. Um, and the last one I, I'm going to, I'll add to that is, you know, GK Chesterton has this brilliant quote in his book. Um, guys, help me out. Uh, it's his big one. Well, mere uh, orthodoxy? Uh, uh, no, not mere orthodoxy. That's N.T. Wright, I think, right? No. It's 
the orthodoxy. Oh, no, that's that's right. I'm yeah, orthodoxy. Orthodoxy. Yeah. orthodoxy. Thank you. I, I did read it, everyone. I promise. I just <laughs> oh, forgot. The we, we've humiliated ourselves in front of our, <laughs> all the Christian <laughs> well, moms he, of the, of the he, internet. He sums up just really well ones. about crazy people. And he talks about how oh, yes. crazy people as people who don't know enough things. They don't know what we know. And what he actually yeah. points out is that crazy people know more than they should. They tie connections where they shouldn't. You know, what, what should just be a bird flying overhead is now a robot that's spying on us. They, they see too much. And so I think that's something to be aware of is seeing too much. Sometimes a bird is just a bird. Um, but yeah. I think that there is... Birds aren't real, Nathan. <laughs> I forgot that one. I'm sorry, everybody. My uh, absolute favorite conspiracy. Theory. Birds are not real. I meant that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, and I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying that conspiracy theories are real. I'm not saying that there aren't things out there we don't know that are, that are bad. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't even pursue those. But I am saying it's worth it to do the work to fill in those gaps, it's worth it to rely on real data, not just what your friend on Twitter told you. It's worth it to really investigate, and it might be worth it to not spend your entire life on these and to pay attention to the issues right in front of you. So that, that, that's my two cents when I think hey. about kind of all this stuff that's happening right now that's so prevalent yeah. everywhere you look. Yeah. It, it, you actually, while you were saying that, it, it, it made a connection in my mind that I've never made before, which was... Um, if you think about two different approaches, like AI right now, right? Everybody's terrified about AI. I've been getting all these DMs about what do you think about AI? And I'm like, it's really an old philosophy of mind problem. It hasn't really crossed the border of a real philosophical problem. It's just an eth ethical problem at this point. But when I heard this, these interviews with the found, the guy who basically founded the AI movement um, and these AI scientists who are all saying like, look, we're not even exactly sure what's going to happen here but this makes me really nervous mm. that makes me nervous right because really? yeah. that is someone who has a properly fueled imagination and a proper understanding of what's involved interesting that's, but that's different than like you know uh my aunt's uh worries about ai where she's just like oh robots are going to take over the world and you're like okay let's walk that one out like what robots you mean walking <laughs> riding are they going to be like, the, look the, like auto plant robots are going to come out you know what so, um, so that's one version of, of like where I listen to someone I, and I, and it's not even a conspiracy. It's just like this conspiratorial, like anxiety that right. something could happen yeah. and we have crossed the boundary. And actually the reason they're so worried is because they basically say we no longer can understand exactly how these things are doing the things that they're doing. So it's an agnosticism that they've become afraid. Um, and then the other one would be actually a very ancient example that the, the Hebrew Bible uh, argues against uh, a lot, which is omenology, which is extremely prevalent. Uh, it, in fact, it was the science of uh, the science and the wisdom literature of um, Mesopotamia. It happened in Egypt as well. But the interesting parallel that I had not thought about before is omenology. Like if a if a black cat crosses your path, that's actually a Mesopotamian oh, omen uh, from you know five thousand years ago or four thousand years ago. Um, I know adults it, who are still scared of a black cat. Like a, well, a, it, degrees and jaw. it runs deep. Yeah, it does like, yeah. It's 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 back in Sumer. Uh, Sumer uh, sorry, Sumer Sumerologist. Uh, you know they have these clay tablets and they have these tablets that have hundreds and thousands of this if this then that and it's perfectly logical like it follows modus if you know logic modus ponens and modus tollens perfectly yeah. so these were some of the smartest people on the earth they're working in multiple languages it would be equivalent to to writing and thinking in mandarin and spanish 
uh, and uh, French at the same time or something like that. I mean, they're 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 like their intellectualism blew away the Greeks when they came and visited. Right. They're like, we have never seen people that understood so many things. But the one thing that, that everybody was perplexed by is uh, how can they have such like linguistic and scientific understanding? And yet they can't see that their omens don't come true most of the time. Like, um, like, why don't they have this, what we call the scientific bent to them that would just basically say like, you know, um, we wrote down what the omen chart said would happen, but then like when we checked it nine times out of 10, it never happened. So maybe we don't need to be so, uh, they're not making inductive inferences. It's the same thing. If you ask somebody like, how accurate is your local weatherman? Uh, um, and they'd say very accurate and be like, well, great. How do you know that? Have you actually written down what temperature you said it was going to be tomorrow and then checked what temperature? And then, you know, like if you have, it turns out when people track local weathermen, they're not very accurate. The National Weather Service is very accurate. Um, uh, and the thinking is the reason is that the local weatherman has nothing to lose by giving you bad news, where the National Weather Service doesn't care when it comes to whether you're going to be at the beach this weekend. Um, so just that basic sense of tracking reality tracking you know you know like when you read a story to your child you stop and kind of make them guess what they think is going to happen next and then say okay well let's see right just that what um what actually some ancient near eastern scholars have noticed about the old testament or the hebrew bible is they said that that actually is present in the hebrew bible where it's not present in mesopotamia or egypt uh, that what they call a, a critical intellectualism or a skeptical mood that basically is all over the Old Testament. And including in, you know, I didn't say it before, but Deuteronomy 29, 29 in the English is, you know, the hidden things belong to Yahweh, our God, but the revealed things belong to us and our children to do and to keep them, which wow. I think is what you are getting at there. This kind of like, okay, there's a bunch of stuff we may or may not figure out what's going on here, but we have this stuff right in front of our face. Uh, as one of my seminary professors once said, yeah. you know, when he was asked for the 14th thing in the class that he couldn't explain in the Greek or whatever, he said, you know what, I'm, I'm not as, under, I'm not as like worried about the few things of Paul that I really just can't figure out. I'm actually worried about all the things I clearly understand in scripture and I don't do them in my wow. life. And, and I think there's like, I mean, it sounds kitschy, but I think there's actually a profound wisdom to that. And in Ecclesiastes or Kohelet, which is, you know, I think the greatest wisdom literature in, in the Hebrew Bible, says like, look, if if a wise man claims to know how all this stuff works, he doesn't, right? And that's coming from the voice, you know, whether it is Solomon or not, it's coming from the voice of King Solomon, who has all the time, the leisure, the intellect, uh, the money, the ability to figure everything out tries to suss it all out and he's like nobody actually knows how everything works so mm. there's this kind of like um this kind of view that like god gives us things in our domain for us to be competent in and understand well but there's some point where you cross out that you need to be aware of when you crossed out of your domain like you may know how to grow barley in this field really well right but it doesn't make you a a, a vitten or a wine dresser or a grape dresser right um, and you need to be aware when you've crossed over. We, you know, we all like to rag on, and it's often deserved, you know, intellectuals who are really expert in one thing and then try to talk across the board yeah. about everything. Yeah. You know, you're, uh, Ultra what's crepidarian. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm trying to think of the guy who does it. He, he's restrained himself a little bit. The, um, the astrophysicist. Up, oh, uh, oh, oh, um, Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Tyson. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Right. <laughs> I mean, he says things that are like philosophically, I'm just like, you need to go back to school. And, <laughs> uh, 
while but being and, a brilliant and, and, yeah and physics brilliant yeah scientist, and physics yeah. even like anything chemistry or whatever i hear him talking i'm like wow that's not only i mean as far as i can understand that's brilliant and that was a really good way of explaining it as well he's a good teacher um so so i think that you know that kind of having a little bit of humility about what we can know, what we do know. And then like, okay, if you think that that's what's going on, then go do the work. Like if, if you think an organization is pulling that off, go like just study and see, can organizations ever pull anything like that off that you're suggesting that happens here? Right. You can, you can do some read on that. Uh, the final point, yeah. I think just the ethics of what should we do? Um, my grandfather, uh, blessed memory, he, Used to, I, I stayed one summer with him in out in the middle of Missouri, like mm-hmm. no cable, nothing mm-hmm. to do, like running around the country all day. But he watched the six o'clock uh, national news with Dan Rather every single night. And mm-hmm. he read the Sunday paper, uh, St. Louis Post Dispatch Sunday paper. You could like knock a knock a kid out, kid out of a tree with. And, um, and that was his news consumption. And that was good enough for him. And he's like, and he was, you know, uh, high school educated, but he he was pretty literate in what was going on in the world at any given time because of those two ins- sources. Compare that to like, I don't think it's an accident that conspiracy mindset has, I assume it's, it's risen in our country to watching hours of YouTube, hours. I mean, it, it used to be Rush Limbaugh. You listen to two hours straight of one guy telling you how the entire world worked. And a lot of it was conspiracy thinking. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me that if you habitually imbibe that, like the ritual of listening to that voice and having them explain the world to you, or Jordan and Peterson or whoever it is, Joe Rogan would be another one, right? Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does not surprise me that you come away um, with a, a, a narrowed mind that feels like it knows more than it actually does, which is the most dangerous situation so, possible. So, so, I mean, so... Yeah, there's a lot of things here that I think are really interesting for people who are interested in conspiracy theories, but also like, you know, how, again, like a biblical scholar who looks at the Bible, looks at how they talk about some of that conspiracy thinking. One is, like you guys have talked about, the Bible talks a lot about needing epistemic humility or just the humility to know what we don't know. And the Bible talks a lot about, God talks a lot about how, look, there are some things you're going to know and some things you're not going to know. And anybody who pretends that they know how the entire world works or how all of society works or how the, you know, everything that is going on can be explained through this one lens that you're talking about, whether that's, you know, QAnon or whether that's the patriarchy or whether that's whatever it is, everything right, can be explained right. through oh, this. that's another one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> everything can be explained through this one thing. The Bible actually talks explicitly like, no, anything that comes across your newsfeed well, you'll not be able to find someone who can explain all of the things that happen. And so that's a danger. The other thing is, and, and we didn't bring this up, but I brought up in your article, I thought was really good, is that there is a desire in the Bible to say, like, okay, you have to present evidence for mm. whatever you're oh, claiming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it whatever you're claiming has to go, like God says, okay, like I, you know, says I'm, you know, I'm God or this is my prophet or whatever. And it's like, trust me. And people say, okay, well, Maybe give me some evidence for that. God says, "Okay, here's how you know." That was a polite way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I often just say no. I, I, how, how am I supposed to trust this? Like, let's see what you got. Yeah, and then but it's like, okay, this is how I'm God. You know, one of the things I first learned actually from you was just saying, "Look, you know, the prophets. You'll know the prophets because they'll they'll predict something, and if it doesn't come true, stone them to death." 
Like, you know, right. there's like, but there's mm-hmm. just different things of like, show evidence for what is going on is extremely constant through the Bible of asking for that. Um, you know, I'm, I, th- I always quote the atheist, oddly enough, Christopher Hitchens, who says that which is presented without evidence can be dismissed without it. You know, and which maybe is an overstatement you can say, but that's it's, you know, not a, a, a bad principle. And yeah, it's got some grab. Yeah, exactly. So it, it so it's like, you know, having the humility saying, oh, and then what I find often because, you know, I'm sort of different from Nathan because I'm disposed against conspiracy, which I know is a personality thing. And so I always try to check mm-hmm. myself with some of the stuff that you guys said of like, no, like sometimes these come true and like you should investigate and care. But like I have the disposition of like, Everything is too complicated. Like, is it, and so it's probably, and most people are probably just stumbling along like the rest of us. And the, but, but the thing is, what I've always tried to do is I've tried to, you know, be a good skeptic and just say, okay, you're, you're saying this, you know, so give me your evidence for it. What, why should I believe it? And where, and Nathan brought this up in our first conspiracy theory episode was that, you know, it, and you brought it up to again today, which is the fact that, there seems to be a among conspiracy theorists, and this is the part that's frustrating to me, a lot of good skepticism of mainstream narratives and almost no skepticism of the alternative narratives. Mm. It's like, yeah. it's like, okay, you know, look at all the times, you know, I that, you know, CNN has gotten it wrong or lied or, you know, even, right. you know, and things like that. It's like, and it's like, and look there, what they say doesn't match this evidence. Now I found a random person that nobody else has ever heard of. So nobody else is even trying to um, hold accountable because they don't even know he exists. You know, and he says something and I just believe them without being given the evidence that would, you know, hold up the same scrutiny I put up to this other 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 thing. And so that's yeah, kind the, of the, the headlines are, are all lies from mainstream media, but the sports yeah. and the weather are completely true. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, and so it's they interesting are. that, you know, the Bible actually talks about it's like, you know, whatever the evidence is, you can argue about what the what evidence would be good evidence. Right. But, and that's a good, a fair discussion to have and like, you know, and all the things like that. But at the very least saying, okay, we should have some positive evidence for, um, for this. And then, then to your point that you brought the ethical point, um, which is, I just, I want to make sure that, you, you know, I'm, I'm summarizing what you said, you know, uh, correctly and accurately that, uh, that, you know, is we should be careful of what sources we are actually consuming um, and getting our information from um, because it will affect us if we if we do imbibe people who make claims without substantiating evidence afterwards. It's going to turn us into the kind of people that believe those kind of things more often. Or if we're consuming lots of things and not verifying any of them, it's going to make everything seem plausible. Is that sort of yeah. that? Are those some of the... Yeah. Those some are good ways of summarizing sort of what's being said. Yeah, and even you know, like I'll, I'll watch a little clip from Joe Rogan or a little bits because I find him he's actually a really good interviewer. I think. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and I just find him to be entertaining. I used to watch him when he's a comedian, you know, back oh, in yeah. the nineties or whatever. But um, I will also find that if I, you know, I wake up in the middle of the night, can't go back to sleep, and I I'm dumb enough to put on YouTube and just start like clicking through the little clips Boom. after a while joe rogan becomes really persuasive right it's <laughs> it's not it's not just that it's him like you, you shouldn't listen to joe rogan which i you know i don't think he tries to be an authority too much on things but um it's really that ha- habitual 
I, I think if you if you watched anybody two to three hours a day or yeah, sure. uh, you know thirty minutes every single day, um, it's going to have an impact. And so I think that expanding your media diet, being more critical. Uh, I love NPR. I also want to yell at the radio half the time. I'm like, well, that was a really <laughs> slanted question that made a lot of assumptions that you were right, yep. you know. Um, but I do, but I do love it because I feel like NPR. They they at least try sometimes, uh, and they I like they, the sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, you know, also I've been listening to them for you know almost thirty years, so I I know the voices, I know who they are, sure. I know who are better better in my view reporters and you know versus, what their slants are and how and to, i know what their know. slants are yeah, yeah. Can, and i think that getting to, to that know equation. actual yeah getting back saying i know how this person collects information and how they filter it because i've listened to them for a long time of course our our media does not want any of that outside of like big personalities like joe rogan i think the the big I mean, like end of the day i can talk the epistemic the actual cognitive well, how do we know things side i love talking about that all day and all night but I like for me at the end of the day, the biggest issue is the scripture has an overwhelming concern for the vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I'm working on a book right now and I just wrote a whole chapter. So it's all fresh in my mind right now. And get around um, again. Um, and I, I, I think when we say what's the harm, you know, like what's the harm if Uncle Ricky, you know, yeah. um, thinks the Jews funded the Nazis or whatever. I don't know. You know, I don't know what the conspiracies are. Um, and the, the harm, I think, is a couple fold. And you mentioned it like genocides don't happen without conspiracies like not a single mm. genocide has ever happened without a conspiracy anti-semitism doesn't happen without conspiracy anti whatever the group is that's uh being mm. marginalized no matter uh, wh where they are in the world it doesn't happen it's all fueled by conspiracy thinking that's good and and i you know you both lived in new york city uh where you see it a little bit more prominently but it's everywhere that i lived uh or even when i was a pastor in the midwest People with mental health issues um, grab onto conspiracies like yeah. nobody's business. Um, and so if you think about the most cognitively vulnerable amongst no. us, uh, like who are the people who will not necessarily be able to sort the wheat from the chaff uh, of this kind of thinking? It's typically people who are expressing bipolar, schizophrenia, sometimes yeah. anxiety disorders. And so you're actually kind of like as often as you didn't give uh, water to those who are thirsty or, you no. know, uh, it, it's kind of, for me, it falls into that. You didn't do it to Jesus or, you you know, as no. often as you kind of like sloppily throw around things because it doesn't matter to you because you're smart enough to think through it. And you, if, if you're wrong, you'll get, you know, you'll just reverse your position. All, all the, I mean, to me, it's like a, you know, a pastor who just teaches something that suits their own personal theology because it all works for their greater glory or something like that. Not realizing that whenever some you, of us more yes. than others. Yeah. So and the idea you teach bunk so, theology, you're you're actually hurting people on the end of the, the pews, false right? ideas that are perpetuated are gonna hurt the most vulnerable most. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's I, I think that's been historically true. I mean I, I don't I don't think it's a controversial claim. It's just one that we don't like to think about yeah. too much. And I'll add just one last kind of biblical understanding that I think is backed up with a Bible scholar can tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> But um, I don't think I don't think so, because as I look at this, I, again, I'm not arguing the validity or lack of validity of any of the conspiracy right. theories going around right now. But I do think there's a big emphasis in Scripture, as, as I read through it, where there's literal commands where um, Scripture tells us to not worry, be anxious for mm. nothing, right. and peacefully among all men to uh, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow, worry about yourself. There's 
just plethora of scripture that talks about your mental state. And if you're hyped up and anxious and worried and fearful all the time, it's something that God commands you not to take part in as, as far as it is possible with you. It's something, peace is literally a commandment in the Bible. And that yeah, yeah. means individual, mental, emotional peace as well. And so I think that there is kind of a, um, a, a biblical precedent for saying, regardless of the truth or validity of these things, um, if this is causing you anxiety, if this is causing you anger, if this is ca causing you tumultuous thoughts and feelings, then it's something you have the responsibility to take a step back from. And that um, peace and and um, peace is a commandment from God. So I do think there's and 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 let me know what you think, uh, and we'll let you wrap up um, with your thoughts, uh, wrap up thoughts on this, and what else or whatever else you'd like to say, uh, Dr. Johnson. But how does that play in that that there is kind of a precedent, a biblical precedent for peace, for for uh, be anxious for nothing, that kind of yeah. thing? How does that play into this talk about conspiracy? I think that's a really, really good point uh, to bring in because um, I think the antidote is um, is not just like going into a y'all, I'm just going to meditate my way out of this state. But um, rather, if something's really giving you anxiety, I, I've with my own students, I, I've been called in scientific terms, they call it norming the data. They'll they'll just say ridiculous things. I'm like, where, where did you get that from? Right. And, <laughs> and, and then we just kind of like, so lately, and this is kind of an absurd example, but I can't tell you how many students are like, well, I'm never having kids. I'm never bringing kids into this horrible world. And I'm <laughs> like, okay, fine. You know, whatever happens with your biology, that's your problem. But like, what's so horrible about the world? And they're like, oh, it's worse now than it's ever been. And I'm like, <laughs> it is? Like, dude, I was alive in the 70s. Uh, yeah. Like, There were a thousand domestic terrorist bombings in the United States in I, the 70s. There were like a dozen hijackings of, of domestic airlines a year in the 1970s. Wow. Crime was at an all-time high, like the AIDS and the crack pandemic. Actually, everything, teenage present, uh, pregnancy, alcoholism, plagues, war, everything in the world is at a very low point uh, since I've been alive. Um so there's this kind of like, okay, so yeah, bad stuff happens. The world's complicated. But to sit there and tell me that um, that the world is the worst it's ever been and it's, it's only getting worse is buying into a weird version of a conspiracy theory um, that is not actually based in something that, I mean, the, the irony of this is this is so demonstrably false, right? <laughs> like I was telling a student the other day, they were like, oh, crime is horrible. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's at like a 35-year low, right? Um, but the perception was that it was so high because media talks crime and the particular media diet they had talked crime, 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 crime. We even have a New York City mayor who's a former police chief who's overseeing some of the lowest crime rates ever talking constantly about how bad the crime is here, which, mm. you know, good. I'm glad he's addressing crime. That needs to be done. But um, And so by the way, everyone... He he is not doing this because he read my article on this exact same thing. <laughs> Everybody gives me grief for writing about this very thing, but you're absolutely oh, right. Oh, me? me? Yeah, no, it's it, this, this drives me crazy. <laughs> because I think that my, my original desire to go into science, which is deeply rooted in my own childhood issues, I'll, I will admit, <laughs> but it's the perception reality issue. Yeah, and, and I want to as much as, and, and I, I think I am justified in saying that as I read the biblical authors, when I became a Christian to my own surprise when I was 20, I was very surprised to read the biblical authors and see how concerned they were that 
Israel's perception matched up to reality. Yeah. Uh, Jesus saying, hey, wait, you guys, my favorite passage in Luke 12, you guys know how to say, <laughs> oh, there's a cloud coming from the west, so therefore rain is coming, or winds are coming up from Egypt, so therefore it's going to be hot. And yet you can't understand this basic, you know, you, you, you can't understand the present time. You hypocrites, right? And, and so this idea that, like, uh, you need to be in tune with reality. Um, and I will say the Hebrew world, like their view of the world, is one of the only ones in human history that doesn't begin with the premise that everything is false. Good. Like, right. everything you see is false. You know, me and this computer and you, we're all, we're all one thing. It doesn't start with that and saying, like, this idea that the computer and me and you are all different things, false. Uh, our platonic realities, this is all uh, a version of falseness. The real stuff is up in the heavens. It doesn't, no, it starts with everything on the ground is real, true, and knowable in yeah. some way. And then they chastise Israel constantly when they fail to know the world around them uh, and and like what we consider properly, you know, now we call them kind of quasi-scientific ways. Um, so I think conspiracies kind of basically uh, put a spotlight on this weakness and frailty in all of us. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, again, like, you know, begin to bring it into large chiasm, uh, at the beginning, nice. uh, <laughs> the, you know, I do want Christians to push harder on both figuring out with what they think uh, matches with reality to norm their own data in their heads. Right. Um, and also to like, as you said, Nathan, like to assume there is exploitation going on. And the Bible doesn't say like, oh, it would be good if you knew that exploitation was going on. It's like, no, you must do something about it to actually get involved. Yeah. And um, and if we just did that, I honestly, I think a lot of the, the fascination of conspiracy thinking drops away when you're in the involved in the actual uh problems of the world amen i think well, it's easier to pay attention to a conspiracy than it is to help your neighbor i love that thank you so much i think this is really really helpful for a lot of people because this is something that's so prevalent across every conversation being had today so i, I hope that our listeners um got something here yeah. uh, that encourages them or put them at peace or at the very least sparks interest into thinking yeah. a little bit deeper about this but now it's time for Blesses and Curses. It's our Blesses and Curses segment where we take a work of art, media, or resource that's uh, you know, on our topic and um, either recommend it, i.e. bless it, or uh, diss it uh, publicly, i.e. curse it. Um, so we, uh, we um, uh, so yeah, we always give our guests an opportunity to uh, participate in either the blessing or the cursing. Uh, segments. Um, uh, Dr. Johnson, would you have anything you want to bless or curse off the top of your head, or would you like to... I, I have to think of something? <laughs> yeah, but we're not going to give it to you. you it to... was rough for me. I was trying to think of a lot of stuff. I'll, I'll go first, but I yeah, had yeah, a yeah. different, like, um, I was like, conspiracy, because everything is all about conspiracy theory. Like, you know, Mission Impossible is about conspiracy theory. Yeah. Uh, I thought about Oppenheimer, but I can't bless that yes, yet, because I haven't seen yeah, it yet. Because I haven't but... seen it yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I'm going to bless again. Uh, I just, you're going to hear me bless this a lot. You already have. But I just really, really enjoyed a TV show that came out. Um, let me see when it came out. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I'm probably just like number one evangelist. I don't know what it is. I'm going to have to do some like intellectual um, introspection to understand yeah. why the show like resonated with me so much. But it's called Severance. And it's directed oh, yeah. by Ben Stiller. Adam Scott yeah. plays the lead. I don't have any some like I don't have any like deep reason as to why this is so good. As, you know, aside from just aesthetically, it's on point. 
I conceptually, it's really interesting. Um, all the pieces, I need one of you to put it together why this is so good about conspiracies. John Tutura. But, but it's just, oh my gosh, it's so good. Well, yeah. talk about people who know that they don't know. They're, I mean, thank you. It, like they're like they are constantly presented with the fact that they don't know what their Audi, the the, the non severed, yeah, the, the other part, side of their severed severed person is doing, uh, and they're constantly questioning it. So like they they live in a state of agnosticism, uh, which it's interesting because that sorry I just robbed yours, but that oh, show then narrows down on their absolute <laughs> like uh, they're the coworkers that want absolute control in these really weird ways, right? Yeah, so yes. yeah, that's a great show. And they have great to show. go about doing the work discover what the actual truth is because just yes. pontificating or theorizing doesn't actually help their situation. They have to go on journeys like they do. down <laughs> like rat rat maze always and stuff to go figure out whether the other office is trying to kill them or not. I love this <laughs> show so much. I don't yeah. know why but I can't wait for season two. I hope there's a season yeah. two. Yeah. Same. Same, yeah, but, same. Um, so that's my bless. Um, my curse is there's a movie. I don't think anyone's be mad at this. There's a movie called 21 with Jim Carrey who I love Jim Carrey. Um, and I actually enjoyed the movie, so you might just want to watch it for like, you know, a, a, a fun, stupid movie to watch. But it's a horror movie about the conspiracy theory of the number 21. I don't know. I think it's 21. I could be getting it. Maybe it's 24. I can't remember. Obviously, I didn't take it that seriously. 42. It, it, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, 42, uh, all the numbers. But it's it's just so, the evidence they use in the movie to prove the theory about 21 is so ridiculous. It's hard to take the, even if you want to like take the movie seriously and like get into it, it's so ridiculous. You're like, well, you know, uh, a terrible Hitler was once 21. So 21 is evil. It's just flawless. Yes, exactly. Um, so it, it didn't, it just, they tried to like have fun and make a horror movie about a conspiracy theory, but horror only works if we're like actually scared of the thing and you show <laughs> us. <laughs> so it it wasn't um but it's still you know jim carrey's always gonna be entertaining um i'm also gonna curse uh twitter uh, mostly because it's like the one i just can't i just can't work and i can't quite they, i think it takes a particular mind and so i'm just being very biased in my in my uh, uh my curse of twitter but i will say recently i've been getting on and oh my gosh I'm sure there are wonderful places in Twitter. I have many people who I love who just swear you by Twitter. You have to use the block button very liberally. Well, I I haven't done that yet. I don't block anybody. It is the cesspool <laughs> of conspiratorial, angry, um, just fighting all the time. And uh, That's just my biblical scholar friends. <laughs> oh, Christians are the worst. Oh, I watched yeah. the Calvinists and the Armenians and the way uh, they treated Christian them. Twitter is really shows the love of God. It's be crazy. And I'm going, this is not a healthy way to exist daily um, and to look at your fellow man. I get it. There are bad opinions out there. They need to be called out. But it just seems really highly uh oh my gosh and maybe i'll I'll throw uh, reddit under the bus too as interesting and entertaining as some of those threads can be um i do think that a lot of um a lot of the stuff is perpetuated there because we would rather listen to our friends who give a more entertaining story about reality uh than actually going and doing the work of discovering what reality actually is so yeah. uh, i guess i'm just cursing random social media apps today but uh, <laughs> that's my, those are my curses you're, you're pretty safe in that. Again, like I have an interesting relationship with Twitter because I really like Twitter when it's good. I like following yeah, people. Yeah, me too. I like following particular people who share articles I would never have seen that, yeah. you know, th and and then turn me on to like conversations that and 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 stuff I just didn't know. 
And so, but when it when I, when Twitter for some reason randomly shows people people I don't follow or even people I follow don't follow who who I don't want to follow, I'm just like I did not want to see this today. That's when I really I really strongly dislike it. it crazy, yeah. So, but and and yes, maybe I'll give Christian, another shot. Christian, but it's like I have learned to literally it's like no, I just don't want to see this person again. This person is bad for my peace. Like we're gonna we're gonna curate this really really well. That's how I. But the, but it's still every once in a while somebody there will be something that will just flips through flips through. So it's that's that's. Um, but anyway, all all to say, um, yeah, this is really tough for me too. Is because you know I it's because like everything I wrote an article in uh, Relevant Magazine, shameless plug. It's like, why does Hollywood think we live in a dystopia? Which is basically saying like every movie is about how oh, we're yeah, in a I remember dystopia. That and it's like, and it's like, why is every movie the fact this is and well, most well, of them are entertaining. But like you said, you know, I could throw it up less for, you know, for, for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One, because yeah, that was a, a fun, you know, movie, but it's all about like every single government person, every single is all in on it. And it just takes like the small band of like people huddled in a corner to run off and save it. And it's really entertaining. If it wasn't every single movie that came out was about this, yeah, but I will bless it because that was a good one. Probably my other one, of my other favorite conspiracy movies is Cabin in the Woods, which is this great nihilistic oh, horror yeah. satire yeah. Uh, that's you know no spoil, but it's like how all of the horror films are secretly a conspiracy, and it's yeah. it's deeply entertaining. I think you would enjoy it a lot. It's I respect yeah. movies that just yeah. go full on into noble nihilism. Without you know, <laughs> I like M Night Shyamalan. He's gotten a bad rap. I he's think not, that wasn't M Night Shyamalan. That wasn't M Night Shyamalan. Captain, the, oh oh, I'm thinking. Knock at the Nathan cabin. was just stating an opinion. I think <laughs> <laughs> I'm just randomly no, like floating. No, knock yeah. at the cabin. Actually, I can bless knock at the cabin. Here. That's actually okay, a good that's one what to I do. I was thinking because that's all yeah. about conspiracies too. Oh yeah. my gosh, that's been perfect. Yes, I will bless knock at the cabin because that is about people who showed up at a cabin, people, a, a couple and their daughter, you know, in a cabin having a vacation and say hey god has told us one of you has to die in order to save the world and yeah. they're like you're insane and then they that's a good response yes and then yeah. <laughs> a bunch of the things that they predict start coming true more and more yeah. outlandish and it's like more and more uh, you know like this could not possibly be they're like first they're like, oh. a lot of good questions and, and yes and it does force you to ask at what point is something like this possible yeah. Yeah, and so and it, it doesn't really because that this was M Night Shyamalan true to form, back to form. Yeah. Uh, also, again, you know, since we're back in conspiracy theories and stuff like that, and you know, the knowledge problem of today. If you haven't picked up the book Hypermodern Times, because <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a hundred pages. I wasn't going to bring it up, but that is part of the discussion as well. I'm going yes. to read it. I promise <laughs> everybody. The flood of the flood of information I, I, has created this problem. It, yeah, exactly. I've been like, my Kindle for like three years. I'm going to read it, Joseph. I swear. <laughs> yeah. right? This is Chill all out. just. This is all just me blessing it constantly. It's just a passive aggressive way of trying to remind Nathan to read it. But no, yeah. it's <laughs> Doctor Johnson is the one who recommended the book to me, and I'm probably the only person in the world who like is obsessed with that book and recommends it to everybody. Uh, but it's but yeah, it's all about how the crisis we have today is partly because we have so much freedom we don't know what to do with it basically it's both yeah. horsemen you know you're responsible for my own happiness <laughs> i can't even be responsible for my own breakfast and so that you yeah. know holds that and so anyway read that it's great curses um i'm gonna go and curse stuff that will make everybody mad and therefore hopefully everybody's satisfied i'm going to yeah. curse the christian film persecuted which is just a very badly made you know movie about 
Bill Clinton trying to kill him, somebody because he's a Christian. Uh, hey, that so- happened, though. That happens all the time. That's all I know, exactly. Yes. Wait, is this a real movie? It's a really yes. it's a real movie. Wait, is it a documentary? No. <laughs> no I no, actually no. don't it's even. A, it's a I... fictional, it's a narrative. Okay. So, um, yes. It's watch got this and 21 slash 24. It'll be a great match. <laughs> and, and it's, you know, it's, again, it's just a badly made movie. And so, you know, and it, but it, it does take its subject that this is like really happening like way too seriously. Um, on the Likes. on the on the uh, flip side of it, I'm going to once again uh, curse uh, Glass Onion because it's uh, it's the you know Benoit Blanc Knives Out sequel, um, no. and uh, to me again it, it 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 inspires that that lazy kind of thinking about our stereotypes of the rich and powerful that it's just like you know that it's none of it is about what are secret things that they may be doing to hurt other people that we can do something about. It's all what can we do to make ourselves feel better about how bad they are and reinforce yeah, yeah, yeah. our stereotypes about them to make us feel good that we're not like them. And I they just, lost me when they uh, set the Mona Lisa on fire. Then I, Yeah, I have also that. that <laughs> also that. <laughs> so That's a common medication, though, is just this dunking on the rich without any further thought. <laughs> and setting about paintings on fire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It helps. Yeah, but okay, I, I've I've come yes, up with two. Yes, while, do it. While, while you guys were speaking, that was good. Um, so I will bless. There is a it's a YouTube video. It's about four to six minutes long, where it takes the Karate Kid movie and shows you that Daniel Sun is actually the bad guy. Yes, heard of this? Yes, it's it's done. It's it's done really well. But it's at first I thought it was kind of a joke, but I watched it a few times. I'm like, you know what? It's actually true, and I think it might be part of the inspiration for, for the Cobra, Cobra Kai. Kai. Yeah, that they well, made the more complex ow. characters on the way out. The yeah. fact that I mean that people don't realize that that video, along with like How I Met Your Mother, you know, they're constant referencing to how actually you know the bully was the good guy of that. Is has to be part of the inspiration for doing that. And I can't Kai. imagine it wouldn't. Be. Yeah, but I just thought it was so clever, and Dude. and it was clever because. Like it was an incontrovertible point. Like once you saw that that conspiracy yeah. and you watched the movie, you could not see it any other way. Um, You're... Okay, so that would be my blessing that it's just a fun. And if you haven't seen in the original Karate Kid, because there really aren't any other Karate Kids uh, outside <laughs> yeah. of that one, but um, the curse. Uh, and I, I don't think I've ever talked about this publicly before, but I had a guy accuse me of plagiarism, like a scholar. Wow, um, wow. and he—that's big in the academic world. Yeah. Yes. And like I went through six investigations with the various publishers. I went through a full academic investigation. It, they were able to show with evidence that I had actually been teaching and lecturing. They they got students notes from like 2005. Oh my God. had handwritten notes of me lecturing on a topic that this guy said I, I stole from him. So it was very clearly, you know, definitively shown. But what came out in the whole thing, um, and nobody knows this or who he is, so it's it's fine to talk about publicly, but he had really built a whole image of who I was, what I was about, what I was up to. And the whole time, and I couldn't talk to him because, you know, lawyers had advised, like, don't make any contact with this guy. Because I did initially try to reason with him, and that did not go well. But what I came to realize is that, uh, like, I, I just kept on saying, if he just knew me, he might not like me still, but he would know that the things he's accusing me of are like clearly not true. That was um, not who I am. Yeah. And so, but he persisted all the way down until he kind of ruined his own name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he kind of screwed himself in the whole thing. Um, 
and I, I, I mean, I prayed for him constantly. I think I prayed more mm-hmm. for him than my own children during that six month period where mm-hmm. he's kind of going haywire on me. But it, like that lit up again. Oh, if this guy had just made actual contact with me just for mm-hmm. a week, if we had just talked on the phone, he would have realized that everything he's saying doesn't even make sense. Um, but he had it all mapped out. He had a 40 page letter he'd sent that mapped oh, out. Gosh. And, and, and I, honestly, I could see from his perspective, I could totally see it. Like if that was my view of me, I'd be like, oh yeah, that does look The really limited bad. information that you- Yeah, limited information. It, the sad thing was that it didn't matter how much historical evidence came mm-hmm. in, it, he didn't seem to ever listen mm-hmm. to it. So it was, it was really sad to watch somebody who, who was also a very brilliant guy and had written a really good book um, that I cannot review because it's conflict of interest. I get asked to review his book all the time uh, by various journals. And I'm just like, uh, conflict of interest, can't say why. Yeah. yeah. So that, I, I cursed that whole sad situation, not him. Yeah. yeah. Curse yeah. the idea of creating, uh, uh, creating an, an idea and a concept of something without actually educating yourself fully on what it actually is. Yeah. Which, and that's what we do for a living. Like that literally is what, yeah. And I think also what came forward is like one guy with a conspiracy in mind spun up so hundreds of hours of work for other people. Yeah. Because each publisher had to sit and out for blind review to two scholars. The, the, the university had to do like a multi-month. They wrote, they issued a 120 page report, went through every, I mean, it was a lot of work. Lawyers were involved just because this guy had develop this picture not anything based on evidence but just he developed a yeah. picture of me that wasn't true yeah again as he might father not like D- me at all but <laughs> as father Dusani says reality will not betray you so everyone seek reality i think yeah. that yes. is the, yes. the moral of this episode but dr johnson if people you have such a varied um library of work on on scripture and and biblical studies if people want to engage more with your work uh, whether get in contact with you, what you're writing, what you're doing, where can they go and plug a couple products that you would suggest them diving couple into? Products. Well, let's see. I have a new soap you coming out in the spring. Do you have any merch? Any t-shirts? Soap. Any and it's yeah. It's got a loofah that's in the shape of my head. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I. Uh, they can go to my narcissism hole. It's drewjohnson.com. D-R-U Johnson.com. It's got my books and. You know, if you want to watch videos and you kind of figure out whether uh, I'm an idiot in lots of areas or just this area that we've been talking about today, um, <laughs> it's it's all on there. It's it's a necessary evil for someone who works in the industry. But um, but yeah, I don't, I don't have anything special. I, well, I'd, actually, I'll plug one thing because I'm kind of excited about it. Is I have a book on Darwinism coming out. Wow. On how I I I love to think about how the biblical authors think about things, and so I just took up the question: How do the biblical authors talk about natural selection? And it turns out, even a shock to me, they talk about it more than any other people in antiquity. Actually, they're the only people who talk about natural selection in antiquity. Um, and uh, so just ex- putting side by side, how did Darwin and later evolutionary science talk about natural selection? How did the biblical authors address the same topic? Um, where's the overlap? Where's the conflict? And it, it turns out there is conflict still. But it's in very different areas than most people think. Uh, you know, it's not Adam and Eve is not the problem. The conflict between those two different stories. That we're going to have so. to do an episode on evolution. Have you back because that would be a fun, fun discussion. And what is the book um, that you were a part of that kind of uh, instigated th- this? What we're talking about today? Yes, it's called. I'm looking it up. 
QAnon something <laughs> in the cross. QAnon chaos in the cross. That's it, yes. Which I thought QAnon maybe put it too much timestamp on it, but you know, we'll see. It's, it's a good alliteration though. Yeah. Yes, and Q, then, QAnon and, chaos in the cross. And, what was the, and what's the one about uh, Darwinism? Oh. That one is called What Hath Darwin to Do with Scripture? Gotcha. All right, cool. The, well, yeah, thank you awesome. so much. Uh, and so thank you so much, Dr. Johnson. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Um, and Nathan, if people want to get in touch with you or us, uh, where can they go? Uh, they can get in touch with us by going to the Overthinkers Journal or joining our online private group, The Overthinkers, on Facebook. If you want to get in touch with me, you can go to nathanclarkson.me. I don't have any books on conspiracy theories, so I will skip the plug today. Uh, <laughs> you can also search my name, Nathan Clarkson, on any of the socials. You can find me on any of the socials as well, including Twitter. Um, and you also find me at my website, josephholmstudios.com. I also uh, write regularly uh, culture and film criticism for religion unplugged. Uh, and also I have two articles, one in relevance that asks why does ho why do Hollywood movies think we're in a dystopia? And I also have an article and um uh little jump plug that should be out soon, which is why do Christian films think that the world's getting worse? Um so uh read both of those and engage with them and explain to me how wrong I am. Um but anyway, yes. Uh so thank you very much everyone for joining. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. <laughs>